To many people, this is Tuesday, the 25th of April, 1 p.m. Eastern time. I understand that. To me, and I'm sure some folks out there, it's the day after an absolute disaster in the world's most famous arena last evening uh, where the Rangers, Dan, and you were there, did not show up against their cross-river rivals, the New Jersey Devils. Obviously, the Devils take an early one nothing lead. The Hughes kid is a stud. The Rangers were swarming the net right before that. A puck gets thrown up ice. Next thing you know, it's one zip, and we are basically climbing uphill the rest of the game. But nobody cares about that probably but me and a handful of others. This is, in fact, market call. The aforementioned April 25th. Today's episode brought to you by CME Group, Dan, where risk meets opportunity. Of course, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. They're also our data provider. Um, Yeah, that's how I start the show. It doesn't mean we have to sort of hone in on it. But that was you were there. You had great seats. Um, No good. You know who I you know, it's funny. I uh, in between periods, I go into this little area called the boardroom. Oh, it, sure you you know, there's this little food, little, little, little beverage libations, as they say. And I walked that in should have been last night. It should have been called the B.O.R.E.D. room. But please continue. Well, and I walk in there and who do I see? I see Tim Seymour and I do the, the, the famous dude. I love you on that show on CNBC. <laughs> and uh, no, he, he was in there. Um, he's dressed like Superman. So we were on the show in Times Square at the Nasdaq at Fast Money until six o'clock. And we're in the green room. We're just kind of I, 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 of course, taken off my sport jacket, put on something a bit more casual. He opens up his shirt that he had on the show. It was kind of like this thing. He had a Ranger shirt underneath it. And then he rolls down to the garden and he just has his Rangers shirt like kind of, you know, in the opening between his sport jacket. And his, it, it looked, uh, I don't know, you know. Uh, he had his gear going. Well, that's his that's his rig, as they say. Now, yeah. the third, if I were would have been there, I would have been in my sport jacket, correct. correct, and shirt. Probably the tie still knotted up. But you know, as they say, that's what makes markets. And today, speaking of markets, because that's what most people are here for. By the way, bingo cards are filling up as we speak. Tim Seymour was on a special bingo card for you playing at home. Uh, market's not looking particularly good today. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. We're going to talk about UPS. That's an unmitigated disaster. I think that's the biggest one-day move in a decade or something like that to the downside. But you know, lots happening here under the surface. Now, listen, a lot can change in the next four hours because we have some pretty big earning, earnings announcements. But you're starting to see, I think, some cracks. Yeah. No, this is funny. You know, on a day like today, this is Tuesday. It's just you and me. It's a mm-hmm. C- E day. Um, I think it's where risk meets opportunity. Yes, that's what I that said earlier. That's right. You did, you did say that earlier. Um, and so we're going to update a trade guy that I did last week while you were away. We detailed it here on the market call. That's MRKT call on the U.S. dollar. We we're talking about how possibly the current weakness and, and the round tripping year over year from the move that we had from about a hundred in the Dixie the dollar index to about 115, I think in September, back towards 101 and a half. We said that might incorporate some of these kind of fears for the Fed and what they might do in front of the, um, you know, this debt ceiling limit and the like, and and maybe the pressure it's put on the dollar. So we're going to update that trade. We have a new trade in the NASDAQ E-mini futures and thinking about those um, earnings reports that we're going to talk about in a second here too. But guy, there's a little macro and there's a little micro today. You mentioned the UPS. I think that's all um, pretty interesting. I mean, when I think about what's going on here, this is where 
the rubber hits the road. Yesterday, we talked about how the tight range of the major indices, the S&P and the NASDAQ over the last few weeks and the underperformance of the Russell 2000. I mm-hmm. mean, it is unchanged on the year right now. And I mentioned this guy, I, I think yesterday, um, you had this call that Russell topped out in November of 2021 before the S&P did in January of 2022, before the NASDAQ did in late November of 2021. It really was a sort of leading indicator for the major indices. And, you know, I wonder, again, are we in a very similar situation? Now, I get it. Small cap index. It's got a lot of regional banks, got a lot of financial exposure, and that's been some of the hardest hit stuff. Thoughts there. Are you still focused on small caps the way you were a year and a half ago? Yeah, I, th- I think you have to be. And, you know, I'm not suggesting I'm right by any stretch of the imagination, but we, you know, we've talked, we've played this game on CNBC's Fast Money from time to time. What's the most important chart that you're looking yeah. at? And I think on two separate occasions, I mentioned in this case, you know, the IWM, obviously we're looking at it through the lens of futures here, but it doesn't matter. They look extraordinarily similar. And the point was small caps, in my opinion, tend to lead the broader market by anywhere from three weeks to maybe a month and a half or thereabouts. And when you started to see the relative weakness in the small caps, and which we have seen over the last couple weeks, my thought was, well, maybe that's the beginning of something. You know, Maybe the broader market is starting to catch up. Now, others will say, as you pointed out, the contra of that is it's heavily weighted to a lot of these banks, which have clearly been under pressure. By the way, First Republic is an unmitigated disaster. I think we've all seen what's happening there. And I think we've been smart to try to caution people to stay away. You know, that KRE is taking the next leg. We've talked about that. With that said, you know, if the Russell or the small caps look through the lens of the futures are going to start to roll here, which they apparently seem to be doing, especially when you look, you know, on the bounces, we traded up to the 200-day moving average and seemingly failed. Are we going to take a look at the October lows? I think the answer is yes. Now, whether that correlates with the S&P 500 remains to be seen, but I would submit that's exactly the thing you should be looking at right now. That coupled with some of the credit instruments, and I think you can start to uh, I don't know. I think you can start to sort of form a bit of a narrative around the broader market. Well, I, I'm glad you brought up the regional banks, right? So where do a lot of small cap companies, small, medium business companies, where do they get their credit from? They get it from regional banks, right? And so if regional banking uh, credit standards are going to be tighter, right, in the wake of the SVB and, and, the, and the Signature Bank and what's going on here with First Republic, it's going to be harder to get credit for smaller businesses. It's going to be more expensive to get credit. And when you think about that at a time where look at some of the data we're seeing, you see the consumer confidence um, data that is dropping off pretty um, precipitously. I think the uh, April number is 101.3 versus expectations. Well, slide it, Earl. Yeah, well, there you go. I By mean, the way, in the comments section, if somebody yeah. can uh, let me know where slide it, Earl, came from, I will be forever grateful. I happen to know. I'm sure there's some folks out there. Anyway, back to you, Earl. Yeah, and then here's one. And this is just about GDP, right? And so, like, really, it's just economist strategists who care about gross domestic product for the most part. But gross domestic product, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP would be a recession. Okay, that's the thing that it seems like most of the financial press, pundits, economists, strategists, market participants are pretty obsessed with when that starts. And we won't know until really after it happens, whether we have two consecutive quarters. And I think it's interesting that David Rosenberg mentioned in a tweet um, this morning, don't be fooled by 2% 
uh, print and Q1 GDP, more than 100% of the pickup was in uh, balmy January, which I think is interesting. And I guess the point that I would just make, guy, if we think the average GDP in the 10 years prior to the pandemic was about 2.2%, at the time, rates were basically at zero with very accommodative policy, right? And you would say that's good for risk assets. But here we are now, if we're at 2% and headed lower, we have rates much higher. Fed funds about to go to 5%, right? You have a slowing economy. You know, you put all this together, uh, tighter credit conditions. It doesn't really speak that well for the economy in general, which should not be supportive of risk asset valuations at these levels. It's interesting. And, you know, I'm reading through the comments and I don't know if this is true. A few people have said it, but First Republic apparently is halted. It stocks down, I think, 38%. So that's interesting. Um, and Geary says, and I don't know this to be, I'm assuming th this is accurate, but he's probably right. You know, he points out that American Express is revenues at an all time high. And, you know, that actually makes sense uh, when you think about what's been going on out there. And it sort of dovetails to some of the comments you made, you know, on the one end, People feel really shitty about things, but at the high end, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's the mid my point all along. The high end consumer benefits when the Fed was cutting rates, and quite frankly, the the other way around. I mean, they're they're basically in, a, in an inflationary environment. They're the benefactors as well. So there are really no environments that they they get screwed in, and that's why I think you're seeing that relative strength in American Express. So. It, this all makes a lot of sense to me, but to your point, and this is something I've said, and I'm not a banker, I missed that day at school, but interest rates now don't matter, I don't think, in terms of lending and what the banks are going to do. Lending is going to get tighter. Lending standards are going to get more rigorous. There's more regulation coming. All those things, in my opinion, are detrimental to the small caps through whatever lens you want to look at the small caps through. Yeah, no, no doubt about it that let's look at the large caps here let's look at the s p 500 because we've been kind of tracking this level which was the february high we've been unable to get through it and you know to me you know we've mentioned this on many occasions might that look like a head and shoulders bottom i just kind of feel like as we get through you know the major earnings in the next week week and a half or so we have that fed meeting next week we have the april jobs report next friday um it's going to take a material beat and raise across the whole spectrum of expectations, both on single stock earnings and then also on just kind of, you know, some economic data here. And I just don't really see it happening. And I just want to pull up Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting, who is one of our fine contributors to this market call program. He just put out an email to subscribers, and I think it's really good. He's talking about sequencing. Maybe um, Amanda can scroll through this, though. There it is. No lines, no judgments, as Carter likes to say. You see what I did there? Look at this guy. I mean, look at the way this market. And, you know, you said this on many occasions. That was a really orderly sell-off for most yeah. of 2022. And you said this, the panic has been on the upside. And if you look at the way the market has rallied on those five or six instances, you know, and then it's kind of this slow bleed lower. I get what you're saying here, man. It's just like there's always this panic to buy or cover shorts or whatever. So it really feels like we're about to have one of these kind of five to 10 percent pullbacks, huh? Yeah, I think so. And by the way, a few people mentioned Gene Rayburn and Match Game. Well done. Um, yes, I think that's exactly right. And Maybe over the last two years when this started, it, maybe you've seen a one or one and a half panic sell days at most. And by the way, uh, those were the culminations of a down move. I mean, bo both those times, if memory serves, Dan, one was in June 
I want to say the 14th. The other was around October 21st. Both those times when the VIX was, I think, north of 34. And we actually pointed out that that was the first panic we've seen in quite some time. And we're probably due for a bounce short-term bottom. That played out. But I would say the other dozen or so times, the panic was to the upside for the reasons you mentioned. You know, people don't want to miss the move. And I totally get it. Listen, you saw what happened in the wake of 0809 and subsequently when people were still sitting on the fence, scared to get in. And quite frankly, I, I think if you really want to go back and look, I mean, the months pr- in, into the three months or so into COVID, April, May, June, when the market started to skyrocket, everybody was saying, and I'm probably was one of those people that said, you got to fade this thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So people didn't want to get burned on that side again. Of course, the difference now is the Fed was your friend then, which I should have taken into consideration. They're not your friend now. And this is not a show we're going to rail against the Fed by any stretch, but the environment has changed. So there you go. And, you know, to your point about the banks, you can't say, you know, the banks are so great and they're going to lead us out on one side and then dismiss them when they're clearly uh, taking another leg lower. As I look now, First Republic down 44%. And again, I can't verify any of this because I'm just reading through the comments. But now people are saying it looks like they're doing, looking to do a raise. And how many times have we said, Dan, on this show, on Fast Money, that there's going to be a take under of a bank? You know, and I thought it was probably going to be in the form of First Republic. And I'm not some genius here. You just sort of read in tea leaves. But here you go. And now it's starting to play out. And you have to wonder. I think it was, I want to say six banks or maybe it was 11 banks that put 30 billion dollars i think it was yeah. 11 banks 120 days, yeah. that put yeah for 120 days 30 billion dollars my sense is that 30 billion dollars of basically deposits is going to somehow manifest or be converted to preferred equity some bullshit where the, you know the 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 value of this stock is going to be significantly uh significantly hurt and i think we're in the midst of that right now again i'm just this is real time stuff so i'm looking at it with you well i'm just reading an article right now um on bloomberg it's saying that first republic said to weigh up to 100 billion in assets sales exploring divesting 50 to 100 billion elongated securities and mortgages as part of a broader rescue plan um so a broader rescue plan would essentially probably mean wiping out most of the equity here's a stock that is down more than 90 percent um from its all Highs, so I think you're right about that. If you just look at what else, what's going on, you know, right now, KRE, which is the uh, KB, KBW Regional Bank Index, is down four percent. You're seeing all of these other regionals kind of get hit between two, and I, I'm looking at like uh, PacWest is down nearly ten percent, CMA is down seven percent, uh, USB is down four and a half percent, Zion's down six and a half percent, has not had a good um, few trading days either. Um, so you know, if you think that. This is contained um, from an equity standpoint. You're wrong because there's a lot of other regional banks that have a lot of these other assets that will not be able to hold them to maturity. And that's really what's going on. That was the thing that kind of felled um, Silicon Valley. And I also think, Guy, that it's really interesting that some of these major money center banks are down across the board. Bank America down two and a half percent. Wells Fargo down two and a half percent. Citi down two and a quarter percent. And, you know, you would think after their Q1 earnings and the visibility that they supposedly have, they're giving back a lot of these moves here. Mm-hmm. So you and I have both been in the camp. And we talked about the BKX yesterday. I mean, we did talk about it at this exact time 24 hours ago. We said, this is not done yet, people. And so, like, what are we waiting for here? 
if there are any disappointments, and let's just get to the tech stuff here, okay? If there's any disappointments out of these major tech companies where it's not just a one-off situation looking back three or four months, it's basically looking forward, lack of visibility, margin compression, even as inflationary, right. are coming down, even as supply chains have eased, all that sort of stuff. If you think that one of the first Republic headlines that hit me yesterday, guy, was that they're going to cut 20 to 25% of their workforce in Q2. So you're seeing this across... All these banks and banks that get gobbled up by others, banks that fail, these are less jobs. That means this is less cloud demand, less recurring revenue um, on all these licenses and software licenses. This is how recessions start here, people. I think they're over, and again, I'm sure there's somebody that can fact check me, but I think this is right. I think there are over 4,000 or so banks in this country, obviously not all publicly traded, although the lion's share probably are under some umbrella, right? And to think that this is just going to be siloed to First Republic, I, th I think it's just foolish. I mean, and we've said that for a while. I'm not hoping for anything, but, you know, we've lived through things like this before. And, and it typically starts to manifest itself in other areas. And what's going to wind up happening if it hasn't happened already, there are a lot of people scrambling. What do we have? What are our exposures? That's one of the big reasons I think you're seeing some of the volatility again in the bond market and some of these other asset classes. And, and one of the things we have said incorrectly, that's me, by the way, is that at some point it's going to make its way into the equity volatility, which has just been bleeding lower until today. It's spiking a bit higher, but it's still pretty reasonable. I think still south of 19 or so percent. But this is interesting. Now, to your point, we have a pretty interesting things just got a lot more interesting for the rest of the day because we hear from Google today. We hear from Microsoft today. Microsoft has had a heroic move off the lows, you know, a few weeks ago, month, month and a half or so ago. Google's had a nice bounce as well. Completely different stories, but we'll see because I think you would agree with this. The setup in earnings on the long side for those names are not particularly good given the runs that they've had. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Microsoft, you know, is down a little bit over the last few trading days here. If you look at that one, we we, we kind of highlighted this with uh, Carter yesterday. I mean, that looks like a textbook head and shoulders. You see that 200 day moving average down there looking kind of lonely guy, wouldn't you say? I mean, it looks like uh, a level that seems to be uh, would make sense to be retested. And if you think of all the stuff that we just talked about, that's 255 here. And that's where this stock was trading in mid-March in the throes of this kind of bank turmoil. There was a flight to quality to some of these names, right? We also saw that there was really weak um, PC demand numbers. That's going to impact this. We've seen this um, as far as enterprise spending in general, like softness um, sort of expected here. I just kind of feel like all the hype that is associated with chat GPT, some of that's going to come out if they can't speak to anything here and now. And, and there will be nothing here and now, people. Okay? Well, that, that's, that's that, yeah, yeah, that bloom will be off the rose. It's interesting. So Griffin Keenan, if you can pull this up, and this is, I'm not pulling him out to be a, a jerk here, but this goes back to that, you know, you hear what you want to hear. And Griffin says, the amount of times I've heard, we've been saying recession for a year, reminds me of the 6% talk that started right before SVB. Now, I will tell you, and I've said this, Griffin, a thousand times, I'm not an economist. I'm not smart enough nor humorous enough to be an economist. I don't do the recession thing because quite frankly, I've never thought that it matters. But I guarantee you didn't hear it from either Dan or myself. We look things through the lens of the economy. You know, maybe we'll cite people that talk about recession, but, you know, I'm not calling for anything, you know, in terms of 
the economy. For a lot of people, it's a lot worse than a recession. And that's the point I've been making. Anyway, sorry, Dan, back to you. And going to Microsoft quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they bought themselves, they bought themselves basically a, a 25% move in their stock from their last quarter on the back of you know what NVIDIA was saying, all the AI stuff without question. But go, I encourage people, go back and look at that quarter. It was not particularly good. And nothing has changed in terms of their core business over the last quarter. If anything, it's probably gotten a little bit worse. The only thing that changed is the dialogue and the rhetoric around chat GBT and the fact that NVIDIA and some others were going to be the you know, the place to be for, for that next big thing in the world. Anyway, so that's why you've seen this move. We'll see if it holds up. Carter had a point yesterday, and we talked about a pairs trade where he thought Google, excuse me, he thought Microsoft was going to mean revert back to the moving average. And I think he thought it would come in around 260-ish. And he thought Google could continue higher. So we'll see if that plays. We're going to know pretty quickly. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So let's just kind of look at the, the week here, guys. So um, <clears throat> we have uh, Microsoft and Alphabet today after the close. Tomorrow we have Meta. This is a stock that is up, what, 75% um, on the year. It's up a lot more than that off its lows. And then Amazon, which is, um, you know, it's had a good year. It's up 24% or so, 23%. Um, you know, look at the implied moves, some big implied moves, about 5% in Microsoft and Alphabet tonight, 9% for Meta and 7% for Amazon. Um, you know, I, I'm not particularly optimistic about Microsoft Alphabet, just the underperformance relative to some of its peers. Maybe I'm a bit more okay with that one on valuation too. Meta seems very meta specific, very associated with the cost cuts that they've been um, kind of engaged in. And Amazon is an interesting one to me because when you think about Microsoft Alphabet and Amazon, one thing they all have um, in common are these big cloud businesses, which are really good um, margin drivers, which have allowed them to do a whole host of other things. And we've seen demand come down pretty dramatically, or at least decelerate, right? Mm-hmm. Businesses that got a big pull forward during um, the pandemic. And so, you know, Amazon, it's not just kind of consumer demand. It's not just issues as it relates to supply chains and inflation, but really demand for um, AWS and the like. So here, here's the here guy. I want to kind of Put a little trade on here. This is in the NASDAQ. This is the E-mini futures here. <coughs> Sorry about that. You know, when I look at this thing and I look at that nice little uptrend that's been in from, you know, just below 11,000 at the lows here, and it's kind of gotten stuck here around 13,000. I want to look at a move back towards, okay, that 200-day moving average, which looks about 12,000 or so just below that uptrend, okay, that we just talked about. Today, what's interesting about the NASDAQ minis here, Guy, they're just below those February highs after consolidating for, it seems like, a few weeks above that, right in in front of these um, earnings events where we know that expectations are not low because these stocks have really seen a massive flight to quality. So, Here's the trade. I want to sell the minis at 12,913. I want to use a stop just above yesterday's high guy at 13,134. That may seem kind of tight, especially when you consider the events that we have this week, but I'm targeting a move back towards 12,000. I just kind of like the risk reward of this. I would probably continue to move that stop down below 13,000 if we get a move tomorrow there. But again, I want to trade these futures with tight stops here. We are in a market that's consolidated a lot. We have events. We have vol really low. I think the risk reward downside is kind of like two or three down to one up here it's interesting um i agree with this the tight stop makes sense because there's going to be a lot of noise so 
I think you have to know where your out is. But this is one that if you're right, it's going to accelerate. I think it's going to accelerate to the downside. And we've talked about this a few times here, but you know, this is now higher level trading, but you can actually add to a short position on weakness, on the underlying weakness of the asset. So as your short position gets more in the money and this continues to go lower, theoretically, you could start adding to it and then looking for that initial target. On the way down, as we've said a couple of times, again, for you new listeners or viewers, you leave what you call a trailing stop. So your stop begins at a certain level. And then as the position starts to work for you, that stop gets decreased. And at a certain point, if you think about it, that stop will be low enough where you're actually guaranteed. I shouldn't say guaranteed, but in theory, guaranteed not to lose money because you're going to be stopping out around your entry point, And then you're looking at all gravy on the downside. And it's interesting if we can bring the Amazon chart up because a couple of comments and Geary made a comment about Amazon has a way of surprising the street. And they do because there are a lot of levers. Um, Jim Osmond might actually be watching right now. We had Jim on Fast Money a few weeks ago, so I want to cite him correctly. But, you know, he's pointed out a number of times that, you know, if there's a company that could split up and unlock a lot of value just in terms of what Amazon has with AWS, it would be Amazon. And I'm not saying it's going to happen today, obviously, but a bit of a wild card, I think, on the Amazon front is if, in fact, they would go down that route, which is not crazy if you think about it. Obviously, we're seeing with the Johnson & Johnson, and I'm not comparing the companies, but you understand what I'm saying. For a lot of these companies, they seem to want to be able to unlock value in the form of a spinoff. And if there's any company that sort of reeks of that, it's Amazon. That's for another day. I just wanted yeah. to point that out, but it's worth mentioning now. Yeah, let, let's um, <clears throat> quickly pivot to the bond market here, Guy. There was something in Axios that really caught my attention today. It was their one big thing. The bond market sounds the alarm. The Treasury mm. one month and three month yield yeah. diverging. Look at the spread. You see the, the one month <clears throat> Down there, okay. I mean, this is pretty astounding, right? Three point yes, for really astounding. And so, when you think about this, they're saying that this has a lot to do with the debt ceiling um, negotiations and the concern um, about that. And this, obviously, at a time where, if we look at the CME Fed Watch tracker here, we see at this meeting next week, there's greater than a seventy-five percent probability that the Fed is going to raise uh, Fed funds to five percent. And this is the whole thing. So the Fed keeps tightening. They continue to be very worried about inflation, but market participants, guy, are very worried about this uh, this debt ceiling issue here and what it might mean and what the knockoff effects uh, might be. And listen, I don't know about you guys, but you and I have been doing this for a while. When we hear things like the three-month treasury bills are yielding 1.77 percentage points, more than the one-month equivalents, that's the largest gap of all time. You better get your antennas up here. It reminds me of um, September 17th. I think that was the exact day, 2019, when Things we never talked about in the case of that was the overnight repo market sort of blew up. This is a similar type of move that, again, nobody's going to talk about until after the fact, sort of ex posteriori for you Latin fans out there. And I, it's important to mention because it's sort of the, the mechanisms and the mechanics of the market. Dougie Cass, I think, has pointed this out as well. So, yeah, you have to look at it, I believe, without question. And when you see something that stark when you talk about things that haven't happened ever or the first time it's happened in decades that should give you pause and in terms of the debt ceiling and again this is not political by any stretch of imagination but i think over the weekend 
Speaker McCarthy was talking about this will get done. We're going to get it to vote, blah, blah. And maybe he knows something I don't know, but I don't know why you would over, potentially overpromise and well, underdeliver on that front. So we'll see, because I'm not convinced um, yeah. anything well, is a certainty. A guy, what he's saying is going to get done is a Republican backed bill, okay, that would basically raise the debt limit, but in exchange for a bunch of. Um, you know, like spending cuts. And, and that's not something it seems the White House is willing that's to negotiate on. And, and a lot of people feel like they shouldn't. It's the example that has often been given is like you've already spent the money and now you're debating about future spending, about how you're going to repay your debts. It doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. I agree. We've had a lot of clean um, debt ceiling the, um, negotiations. The only uh, reason I bring it up, <clears throat> forgetting about the is because all the market hears is yeah, it's yeah. going to get done, yeah. right? So when he makes a comment like that, that's that's all the market takes its cues from. So your point is exactly right. I mean, it if under those circumstances, probably not. But when you hear it's going to get done, that was one of the potential hurdles for the market yeah. seemingly taken out. I don't think it has been, and I think you're sort of echoing that in a more elegant way. Well, I mean, to the point is that the, the bond market is not buying it. I mean, that that's the that's the one big mm -hmm. thing from Axios. Let's go to the dollar because today the Dixie is not buying it. So when we think about what's gone on with um, the flight to quality with Treasuries, I mean, that's what's going on is also going on today in the dollar. And while you were gone last week, I, we had this conversation about the U.S. dollar index. We talked about what might be baked into it with this recent move lower. It was trading, you know, very near 106 in March, right before or the heights of this sort of um, situation with uh, Silicon Valley Bank. And here we are now. It looks like it's trying to put in a little bit of a double bottom. It's caught a bid today. So last week, the trade, this was on April 18th, was to buy the Dixie at 101.56, stop it down about a buck at 150. Okay, so pretty tight stop there. But my target to the upside was 105.60. So risking one to possibly make four, getting back to a level that I think is probably some pretty decent near-term resistance. But the whole idea, why are we updating here? Is like not a lot has happened, at least in the Dixie, but a lot has happened as you think about how you know macro investors, traders are positioning in front of this debt ceiling conversation and then some of the economic data that we're getting that might shed a little bit more light on just how strong or how quickly the U.S. economy is weakening, Guy. It's in, this is going to be fascinating to watch this trade. First of all, I think it's the right trade, and I think your levels are right. I think um, you, know, you have that short-term double bottom, and I do think if the world interpreted as things going pear-shaped or get a sniff of that, there'll be a fight to quality in the form of the dollar. But think about this. I mean, if in fact this debt ceiling, it gets pushed out to the limit, right? And, you know, it seems as though we're going to go, and I don't think it's going to happen, by the way, in terms of going over the cliff, but I do think they're going to push it. The thing that is most vulnerable under those circumstances is in fact the dollar, right? That's the thing that could potentially be the most vulnerable to the downside. So, you could see a scenario where your initial flight to quality in the dollar and the dollar goes higher until the market realizes that, wait a second, none of this is particularly dollar bullish, and then the dollar goes lower. So there might be a there might be this whole thing where you know the dollar in, in the coming months has a rally, gets whacked, flight to quality in the bond market makes sense, commodities rally in the form of gold, and the equity market gets to those levels we've been pointing out. You know, all roads in my mind sort of lead to that. And we're starting to see the initial stages of exactly that. 
Yeah, let's hit a couple single stocks before we get out of here because I think these are really important and they might be themes that we see as we get deeper into Q1 earnings season guy. And this one um, today is pretty interesting. So this is UPS. This stock is uh -oh. down. Yeah, it's, it's having a heck of a bad day here. Um, and it's down, you know, nine and a half percent on a miss. And so I thought that, you know, like you see, you can see on um, that chart had been this really, really nice steady uptrend filled in every gap along the way here, well above its 200 day moving average. And I just think when you see a gap of a company this size, and I think economically important right to its 200 day moving average, which it was probably at its widest, you know, point um, away from in a very long time. And then right below a really important technical level, that's where it gapped to people. So that support that was like, take it to the bank, right? From the lows last fall, you could just buy it and hold it, right? As it kind of held that, it gapped well below that. And so to me, the chart seems kind of broken at the moment. And if you look at this, go look at the first half of this chart guy from the lows last spring. Mm -hmm. You look at that, you see the series of higher lows. You see how the stock then really kind of went parabolic, broke out a little bit. When it gapped below that uptrend, it kept on going for a while. So this is not one I think you want to try to buy. And I guess the last point I'll just make is that as decelerating retail sales in the U.S. led to lower than anticipated volumes. I mean, that's what you really want to focus on. That's what we're going to be listening for when we hear Amazon, right, when they report right. um, on Thursday night. Thoughts here on the UPS and the gap? Well, I think about we t we've been talking about the lag effect of what the Fed's been doing for the last 10 or so, mo 12 months, let's just say, to round it off. And we said you're going to start to feel it somewhere. And I think, you know, we have started to feel it in terms of layoffs. Now, in terms of what UPS said, I mean, you can draw a straight line from the lag effect of what the Fed did in terms of raising rates to the commentary they're making now. And to your earlier point, I think UPS going into the day was about a $160 billion company. This is not a small company. Uh, they're, you know, what maybe a hundred or so companies, probably less actually, that are larger than UPS. So when you see a move of this magnitude, you have to take notice. You have to stand up and say, wait a second, what's going on? Because clearly the market didn't anticipate this. But to answer your question, and again, connecting dots, in terms of commentary, this is just another sort of piece of that lag effect puzzle, in my opinion. Yeah, so here's another one uh, that might fit some sort of mosaic guy. And we've been talking about home builders a little bit and the strength in the stocks, despite higher mortgage rates, higher interest rates and the like. And we know that there's some interesting supply dynamic, um, supply demand dynamics there. But this name kind of caught my eye, um, reported last night. This is Whirlpool. And when you think about like the sort of appliances um, that they sell and, and sort of, um, you know, the, the, the spike that they saw in demand in 2021, right? There was a whole host of things related to um, just some of the migrations during the pandemic and the like. Well, this company is having a material um, deceleration in earnings. They're expected to be down 19% this year. That was after being down 26% last year. You saw that they moved their guidance around. This is not an expensive stock guy trading at about eight times earnings. It's not a huge market cap either, as you just reflected, um, you know, why UPS is important to you. But it is an interesting data point. And when you think about how far this stock has come after it went from $18 in earnings back in 2020 to $26.5 in earnings in 2021, now to an expected $16 in earnings. Actually, they guided for a lower sort of midpoint here. That's no bueno, right? And so, and if you want to back this thing out to a multi-year chart, it just shows you 
how mm-hmm. depressed this this sort of thing is. And so I just like when you're thinking about some of these other inputs into trades like housing and stuff, it's important to kind of take note of a company like this, which is you know important to end markets. And it also might be a decent um, read on some consumer demand. Go back and look at that guide real quick. So the stock, I think, is down 5%. And you know, I can make the argument that stock's more expensive now than when it was prior to that guide and prior to this move lower. I mean, that's a pretty significant guide. And I'll tell you, the knee jerk of the stock earlier this morning was higher. Everybody was, I think they were talking about it on Squawk Box. What a great quarter out of Whirlpool. Obviously, that's right until you start to see guidance. And that's the whole thing. It's not about the quarter, in my opinion. It's about visibility. And you see a guide like that. I mean, that is a market can guide lower for the full year. So. It's, you know, it's just, again, it's just one more data point. You know, I don't know how many more data points people need. I got another one for you. And this is probably, I'll bet your Whirlpool is a customer. Look at your Cleveland Cliffs. This is CLF. If they can pull this chart up, this stock is down 5%. They swung to a loss. They cut CapEx. They're doing, I mean, so some of these, some these data points are kind of coming in and they kind of support this. It goes back to, um, you know, the whole idea of recession, not recession. Again, we're not going to know until after the fact, but if you're looking for a bunch of inputs, I mean, some of these companies are trying to tell you that things are slowing down and they are leading indicators, right. Of what the economy might be doing. Why do we do this show every Monday through Thursday at 1 PM? while the market's open. We're trying to hit some fresh stuff as the markets are trading here and kind of give you a sense of the sort of things that we are looking at as we are staring at our fact set machines, as we're reading news stories, as we are talking to people, you know, reading research and stuff. And these are some of the things that go into this thought process here a little bit. And I got to tell you, nothing's great. All right. I'm looking at my board. I see Spotify up 5%. Fantastic. Okay. This is a, a streaming music thing. They gained some subscribers. The stock was really washed out, just like Meta, just like Netflix, just like a lot of these companies that we've talked about. I don't think they're particularly that indicative of what's going on in the broader economy. They may be more important about secular trends within different pockets of technology, but I want to focus on things like UPS, Cleveland Cliffs, and uh, the Whirlpool on a day like today. And let me tell you something. We will take our cues from Microsoft and Alphabet tonight. And if either one of them lower the boom on the balance of this year about what they are seeing in enterprise demand or if search uh, and digital advertising on the Google front is something that really speaks to how companies feel confident about how they're going to spend their marketing dollars. Those are the things you want to focus on. And I cannot tell you, Guy, that I feel confident in any way, shape, or form that either one of those companies are going to be able to say in this environment, they feel great about things as it relates to their core businesses. Man, that was nice. That was like a, that was like Danny Moses does the rip off the tape. I think we call that a rot. And yeah. that was a bit of a, because you got a little exercise there, which I dig. And you did it all having a cough probably, but you were able to okay. sort well, of suppress that cough here. and yeah. drink your water. We have a lot of comments and I appreciate it. Unfortunately, we're out of time. And as they say in the business, I have to jackass into New York City to do CNBC's Fast Money. But we obviously, look, we didn't hit on Tesla today. I'm sure we'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, there are a number of things. I know a lot of people talking about silver. Yes, uh, I think silver. If you look at it quickly, Dan, you know, and, and we don't need charts, but I'll say, you know, gold's within a whisper of an all-time high. Silver's still about 50% lower than its all-time high. So I'm not suggesting it's going back to its all-time high, but you could start seeing some mean reversion in silver. So for the people that are talking about silver out there, I agree. I think it's going higher. Yeah. Somebody said I hit the tanning bed more. Uh, no. 
jackasses. I do not go to a tanning bed. My tanning bed is Mother Nature, him or herself, and I was out in it last week. I sent some pictures. Lovely wisteria out there in the Napa Valley. Nobody cares. Uh, well, hold on, guy, before you get out of here, because you're on a roll there too. I just, I just, I want to add one other thing. I think this is really important because we touched on crude oil yesterday, also. Okay, and this thing like seems to be kind of rolling over. The crude stocks are rolling over. I mean, when I'm thinking about, you know, just kind of the macro here, and and again, you know, look, look at that one right there. Um, let's see, it's filled in most of that gap. But if we have resource companies, if we have companies like, you know, or, or we have, you know, commodities like crude, if you have what, you know, all this stuff working together, it just doesn't paint too rosy of a picture. And I guess it goes back to, we know that we're on in an earnings recession right now for the S&P 500. That's going to be confirmed when we get through the bulk of these earnings in the next couple of weeks. So then the question is, what does an economic recession look like? You know what? Here's the deal. We've said this again and again. The stock market over the last 60 or 70 years has never bottomed before the recession has started. Okay. So why are we focused on all of this data? Because the S&P is still up, you know, 16, 17% from its October lows. The NASDAQ's up nearly 18% from those lows. I just think there's a retest coming. That's how I'm positioned. These are the inputs we're looking at. So have at it, people. You can say we're perma this or that or whatever. We're just calling it like we see it. Griffin made Griffin, no problem. I'm reading your comment. I, I appreciate what you said. I interpreted, you know, I'm sort of always the half empty person. So I typically interpret things as derogatory, but I appreciate you coming back. Thank you. This is for you, Christian. Uh, get ready with your bingo card, suckers. Uh, that's it for today's market call. I want to thank, obviously, our sponsor, CME Group, Dan, where risk meets opportunity. Obviously, FactSet, our data provider. We'll be back on Thursday. Well, tomorrow's Wednesday, but I want to mention Thursday so I can get this cat his bingo. Butters will be, uh, we'll have some butters work on Thursday, no doubt. So there's your bingo card. Of course, tomorrow's Wednesday. So the Rangers will travel across the river if they're not there already to play what is a pivotal game five as they typically are in a seven game series. I look forward to it. Hopefully the Yankee bats come alive in Minnesota tonight. Uh, and for you Jet fans out there, I'll say this before we go, Dan. Be careful what you wish for. You got it. Good luck with them. Because if you get off to like a one and three start, man, I'm telling you, it ain't going to be pretty uh, at Shea Stadium. See you later, folks.